Hey nerdlings, this is Sarah Ashley. If I may interrupt your podcast listening for just a minute, I would really like to talk to you guys about Nerdonomy.com. That's our website. If you guys haven't been to it already, you should really go check it out. We have a page where you can just meet the nerds. We have a blog where we have all of our original content that we write when we're not recording. And we also have listener feedback. So if you guys really want to go ahead and talk to us, see what we have to offer, or even maybe make a nice healthy donation at our merch station, then you can please do so at Nerdonomy.com. Alright, and now enjoy your podcast. Last time on the Nerd Army Podcasts, nerds on film and the nerds on history joined forces to tell a tale untold before. Well, not really. They just decided to talk about a movie. But nevertheless, it was quite interesting. So, the reason why we're doing a joint episode is because... It's a movie with quasi-historical relevance. Yeah, how can we talk about National Treasure, which is a... If anything, a fun movie. Entertaining, a fun absolutely. pair of movies, because there were two of them, that are, you know, historically rooted, yet the history on it's a bit dicey, so... Dicey to say the least. So, I felt like the first one tied together lots of known legends, and the Book of Secrets is more of a pseudo-legend. It's, I mean, it's, it's conspiracy It is a legend, theory. but it's more of a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Uh, and they have all these really terrible flashbacks where they go back to ancient Egypt, and they have pyramids that are so wrong... So not accurate Eric, in any way. Eric, Eric, <sighs> what did I tell you? Deep breaths. Yeah, so treasure. Uh, possibility of the Knights Templar having this major treasure hidden in New York. Not terribly likely. There is rumor. Well, the Knights Templar... Conjecture? Sure. Yeah. The Knights Templar supposedly did actually work for two years to dig up a bunch of treasure many, 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 many years ago. And that that treasure was somehow, and this is total, I think at this point it becomes speculation, that it was transported to Scotland. And then somehow from Scotland, this one family took it over to an island in Nova Scotia. And that's how it made it to the New World. That was... All speculation. I'm. Pr- it's probably all horribly, horribly wrong. And it, like Eric, you look like you're about to explode right now. <laughs> you are. You are quite right in that the Knights Templar spent a good two, two and a half years uh, gathering up as much wealth in the Holy Land as possible. Did they mm-hmm. find Solomon's treasure in his temple? No. No, no. I'm not. And I didn't. I, no, it, no, no, no. But that's what not. the movie says. Yeah, so. it's probably yeah. not Solomon's yeah. treasure. The movie wants us to believe that every major civilization leading up into the death of Christ went ahead and gathered up lots and lots of pretty things into one very specific place until somebody bigger, meaner, and nasty came over and took it away from them. That's such a bad idea. Why would they even do that? Because they didn't. No (laughs) one did that. Why would you do it? Exactly. It's a bad idea, right? And so they would take that treasure and just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and added on by all these different civilizations. Even the Templars didn't do that. They invented modern banking. Exactly. Yeah, they set up a series of castles where they would keep treasure, and anybody in Europe could go and deposit their money and withdraw it from any one of the castles and essentially establishing the first modern bank system. Hmm. And it's no big surprise they became as wealthy as they did. That wealth that they were gathering in the Holy Land was their initial investment for their business. And then they continued to build off of that wealth from people quite literally taking you know an investment and paying an interest off of the stuff that they were putting in and securing and keeping safe. And these were all the wealthiest people of Europe, right? And they became filthy rich, which is why, you know, the king of France wanted to have them executed and killed. Those damn interest rates. (laughs) (laughs) Once, you know, 20% was fine for a while. As soon as they went up to 21.66... Well, wait, wait, let me guess. That is ridiculous The Pope wanted to join, and he didn't get his free toaster for opening a checking account. (laughs) (laughs) Damn them all! (laughs) I wanted the credit card with the kitties on it! Uh, I'm pretty sure a, a free toaster in 1300 was a slave. And <laughs> oh, but they weren't free. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Their specific job was to just hold toast over the fire and turn. <laughs> um, but, oh, God. Just the very idea that there's this ever one great depository of wealth is kind of preposterous, except in a modern example, which is Fort Knox. 
But the purpose of Fort Knox is to help secure America's wealth in gold bullion or something like that? Yeah, and it's meant to be public knowledge. It's meant to secure not only America's financial future, but also to put everyone else's mind at ease. Because if everyone knows it's a great place, big place, heavily guarded, full of gold that can get us out of trouble if we absolutely, absolutely need us, even though I think they could probably be dipping into it a little bit right now, but... Um, <laughs> That's the whole point. This other thing, I think, is more of a deterrent. This myth, I wouldn't be surprised if the Knights Templar actually made it up themselves. Because if they have all this wealth that they've got spread out, that's their money that they want to keep, tell everybody that there's one place really far away where all the actual money, the real money is. Go look for that. Leave all these little banks alone. Hence, Go look for the hidden treasure. Hence, Cibola from National Treasure 2. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and we will get to that. Oh, God, will we get to that. Yeah, there's, there's a lot wrong there, too. <laughs> <laughs> to me, though, the real treasure that these movies have is some of the cool stuff that they do talk about in terms of the actual historical connection there were mm-hmm. little tidbits that were accurate there were there was actually i was surprised because i was watching both movies again and i was thinking to myself you know what some of the stuff isn't really that far off if they looked at it from just a purely historical standpoint if they didn't try to tie it into treasure and the masons and all that then it would have been for me like a little bit of a documentary like an exciting documentary but right well, they didn't like, quite go that way with like, a hollywood budget <laughs> <laughs> like the fact that some of the founding fathers actually were freemasons huh a lot of That's them That's true. I think it was um, like nine of the people that signed the Declaration of Independence were Freemasons. Yeah, well, I mean, let's look at the Washington Monument. Eric? What does the Washington Monument look like, Eric? Eric? It looks like a giant pencil with an eraser on top. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what it, voice was that? <laughs> it's a little bit Barney Fife. It's a little bit... Um, Calmer Pyle. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a little something I'm trying out. No, it's, uh, it's an obelisk. And it's an ancient Egyptian piece of stonework. Exactly. And, of course, why does that correlate? Because the stonemasons used a lot of Egyptian imagery in their rituals. And the obelisk is one of them. And if you put two to two together, that means George Washington, our first president and first commander-in-chief, was a Freemason. And guess what? A lot of wealthy people in the colonies were Freemasons. It really wasn't that amazing. And Freemasonry had also was rampant all over Europe, too. It wasn't unique to the United States at all. There was lots of aristocracy who were also members of Freemasons in certain countries. Pretty much from 1600 on, if you weren't royalty, but you were of the upper middle class or upper class and you wanted to distinguish yourself, if you wanted to belong to a inner circle, you became a Freemason. Until the 18th century when the Catholic Church declared it to be heresy to be a member of the Freemason huh. order. Then it just went underground, but people yeah. still did it because right. within their own inner circles, it was a way of showing off their uh, their worth yeah. and their status in society. Side note, it is still one of the only things that you can be excommunicated for nowadays, is that they find out you're a Freemason. Hmm. It's not that hard. All you have to do is go up there and take communion, and if they see a ring, you're kind of, you know... Well, you don't wear the <laughs> ring with the mask, I'm yeah. just saying... <laughs> By the way, um, additional side note, if you want to learn more about Freemasons and the Washington Monument in a national treasure sense, read The Lost Symbol by Dan Brown. Yeah, speaking of Dan Brown, let's let's mention this, actually. National Treasure was pretty much riding on the coattails of Da Vinci Code. And it makes a lot of the same um, connections, too, though it came out... Plotline parallels, I would yeah, say. It yeah, it came out uh, probably a solid five or seven years before The Lost Symbol, though. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But so it's it's the idea that you have secret societies. There's a secret that somebody's been guarding for generations. For generations, ciphers. Some people who seem to have these crazy special skills in order to interpret these puzzles and ciphers almost immediately. Especially looking at the time. Yes. Of the oh god, what is the building in Philadelphia? The, it's the uh, Independence it's Hall, right? Independence mm-hmm. Hall, where the where the On Liberty a, Bell once yeah, stood. That's right. On a hundred dollar bill, using a water bottle as a magnifying glass. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I just thinking like I just imagine some sort of like Will Ferrell and John C. Riley sketch where it's like cipher, cryptex, <laughs> elaborate, lofty words. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, and that that's really what Da Vinci Code was, and that's what National Treasure is, and it's almost like a hyped up version of Indiana Jones. Um, you know, the same element of adventure and. But what I think that National Treasure was intending to do was to 
create a foundation for all of that, but in an American context. And you yeah. know what I think is like the strangest of this, uh, in terms of this parallel between Dan Brown and Da Vinci Code and National Treasure, the movie National Treasure came out before the movie Da Vinci Code, the yeah. book adaptation, almost by a year. But the book, but was, the book was, was what two thousand. So huge. Yes, it, it blew up worldwide. Yeah, I I read that book in like a week. Not quite. The National Treasure Book of Secrets came out in two thousand. I'm talking about number one. Number one, yeah, the number that one came out, out in two thousand four. The movie came. Uh, da Vinci oh right, Code. Was thank you, thank you. I was getting, National Treasure I was one, two thousand four. Da Vinci Code movie, two thousand five. Book of Secrets, two thousand seven. Da Vinci Code movie came out in two thousand six. I'm looking that up. Oh. Go ahead. Throw down. I dare you. You're talking about Book of Secrets? No, no. I said Da Vinci Code came out in 2006. Mm. Uh, continue, please. Nervous Jeopardy music. It's reel it back, guys. Reel it back. All right. Yeah, you're right. 2006. Booyah. May 19th, 2006. This One year ago. Oh, I'm sorry, not one. So. Seven years ago. <laughs> I got lost Oh my in god, we traveled back in time. We really need to fix the TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> Who decided to make the nerd cave in a TARDIS? <laughs> Seriously. I thought it would be fun. You thought it'd be fun. I said it'd be <laughs> So how about that Nicolas Cage? <laughs> Oh my god, that hair. Okay, seriously, this was like the first time that his hair got really, really weird. Yeah, it was it was weird like Tom Hanks in Da Vinci Code weird. So folks, right. That it's was because weird. he doesn't know what to do with his widow's peak, that's why. Well, it's, it keeps keeps getting deeper and deeper. It's his, you know what it is? It's his sideburns. Yeah. He got rid of the sideburns, and when you don't have that coming in front of your ear, it just looks weird. It does. Too weird. He kinda had a Benjamin Franklin esque thing going on minus the ponytail. Like, if Benjamin Franklin had cut off the ponytail, he kind of has that weird receding widow's peak that's going back a little too far, but he's trying to cover it up. But old B. Franks could pull it off. (laughs) That's that's because he had the tiny little circular glasses. If Nick Cage wore those, I guarantee you. He did. He wore them in Book of Secrets, but in sunglasses form. And it still didn't look good. No, that was in the first one. He wore that in the first one. He did? Okay. Well, it still didn't look good. Eh, fine. So, speaking of B. Franks. Right. Because um, we're totally cash on the podcast here. Absolutely. Totally chill. He said, oh my God, Dr. Franklin. Hey, call me B. Franks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, wink and air gun. <laughs> Did he also do the Fonzie? A. <laughs> I think back then it would have been I. I. Well, Franklin was a randy gentleman, wasn't he? <laughs> Benjamin so. Franklin was actually quite the... Um, adventurous type for the time he He, was indeed he definitely got around had a lot of fun drank a lot did what he pleased but still maintained the um the guise of a philosopher which is actually pretty impressive yeah so do you think that uh he actually used his own clout to get with people like i'm benjamin franklin by the way i want to mention he was our only forefather to receive an honorary phd and insist that he be called Dr. Franklin because of it. Yeah. Are you serious? Oh my God. Dead serious. Wow. So he, so he had a little bit of an ego about him. And then again, he's Ben freaking Franklin. Yeah. I'm Benjamin freaking Franklin, man. Hey, ben Franks. Hey, Franks. Hey, hey, be Franks. Be Franks, right. <laughs> well, when he's able to appear on the $100 bill and not actually have ever become president. A common like ben, misconception, ben, I'm sorry, by the way. We, we couldn't work it out. But you know what? We're going to put you in the money. You better put me in the $100 bill, because that's how I roll. No problem, Ben. No problem. <laughs> no problem, B. Franks. <laughs> so, Benjamin Franklin, though, one of the actual historically accurate parts of this movie is the silence do good letters. Mm. Now, can you please elaborate, uh, elaborate, 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 elaborate. Silence could do good. What did he do good? <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> that was so bad. I'm so sorry. He did nothing. He you was, dumb punster. <laughs> uh, he he was actually a she. He was actually a she. Yeah, it was she. Benjamin Franklin in his youth portraying the role of a woman uh, in writing several letters to, gosh, I don't remember what newspaper it was of the time. So, wait, Benjamin Franklin was like Victor Victoria? Pretty much. Uh, oh, 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 New England Current. That's what it was. Oh, okay. Yes, like the current. In 1722, I believe. And he was writing in order to get his work actually published. And so he took on this false persona of this Mrs. Silence Duguid. Uh, and actually, 
in order to get published. And in the movie, though, obviously, they take these letters as being a totally different meaning, that there's actually secret messages hidden within, because in this case, the term silence, which is being used in one of the... Silence is being used (laughs) in one of these... um, Clues. Clues, exactly. And they're viewing the word silence as actually a proper name. Because silence is capitalized in the clue. Correct. So they're taking, they actually pay this cute little kid actor to go into the uh, the, uh, One of the National museums. Archive, I think yeah. it was. Yeah, somewhere there. And he's supposed to go in there and, and figure out the letters for them. And they keep giving him a buck over and over again. Or was again. it $20? Or it, no, it was, it was $1. It was? They gave this poor kid just $1 every time he went in there and did it. And then the protagonist of the movie ends up giving him a $100 bill for pretty much nothing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Well, the protagonist, you mean the antagonist. Yes, antagonist. Sean Sorry. Bean. Antagonist, yes. Um, also known as Ned Stark. Also, of, fun fact, he plays a villain in this movie and does not die. <laughs> Which is really interesting because Sean Bean always dies in movies. Always, in everything. There are only two movies where he hasn't done that. This movie and in Troy. Because he was Odysseus in Troy. This is true, he does not die in Troy. However, he did go to prison and he may have been shanked. We don't know that. <laughs> oh, prison. <laughs> Among other things. I'm willing to believe if you if you waited to the end of that movie originally, when it showed in theaters, at the end credits, there's a scene of him actually getting stabbed to death in prison. <laughs> your grandfather, your great-grandfather killed my great-grandfather, Shank. <laughs> but in order to watch it, you have to actually be wearing special glasses that have alternating lenses. That B. Frank's made? Yeah, yeah that B. Frank's made. And you have to you know move them in quick succession in order to see it. So did Benjamin Franklin actually make those kinds of glasses? You're referring to like when he when they're looking at the back of the... Yeah. Uh, and they pull the brick. The brick that has, yeah, the, yeah. the glasses in it. Okay, yeah. yeah. He, he did make several different types of inventions, and one of them were glasses that actually had little, you know, alternating magnifiers in them. But they never had alternating colors. like, like Alternating 3D! <laughs> 3D movies were actually invented back in 1734. Wow. Um, I know. And, of course, Ben Franklin was the only one who was permitted to watch hey, them. Hey, come on. Be Franks. Be Franks, sorry. But uh, I will say... That whole scene where they're where they're going and they're finding the spectacles is actually kind of cool because they talk about how they have to use the hundred dollar bill. You mentioned that earlier to to try to find with a bottle of water with a, a magnifying glass to Which find the time on the Independence Hall. Yeah, yeah. And then they make that reference to the actual time being wrong because of daylight savings time. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, oh, but Benjamin Franklin's the one who came up with that. Is that um, true? Not really, Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> Benjamin Franklin had suggested that people essentially rise with the sun, that they should always be getting up more or less with the sun, and then as the seasons change, they should essentially change the time along with it. But he never went out and said, we should have a standardized daylight savings time. That was later on that that idea came about, and it really wasn't even until much later that it became kind of like a national thing. There was only Mm -hmm. certain places that kind of observed it. Unless you're Arizona. Unless you're Arizona, like my brother-in-law, who grew up without it, and then moved to California to go to college, and was completely and totally screwed up and thrown off by it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Because he, he spent his entire life just having one same time system and never never moving forward or backwards an hour. So, yeah. So, anyhow, I think it's kind of funny that they make the big deal about it, and they end up giving out the wrong information anyway. <laughs> uh, I did think it was kind of cool, though, the way the shadow... You know, pointed to it. That that was actually kind of neat. I'll give him that. That was kind of cool. But but, but you, you, celestial orientation of the sun, in order for them to get like that exact time and like to have the clock tower point towards where the clue is. To me, I'm not a huge science person. Brickmont, you know this better than anyone else. I I would think that that is like wildly inaccurate. Nope, it's actually totally plausible because you can use the tower essentially as a sundial. And because the wobble of the Earth only makes one full rotation every, like, 22 or 24,000 years, I don't remember exactly what it is, mm-hmm. the the change that would have happened in the position of the sun in that shadow over 200 years would have been so minimal that it wouldn't have made a difference. Seriously? Seriously. That is actually potentially plausible. Totally stupid, because, of course, the, the brick has this, like, super obvious Masonic seal put on it. And you're trying to tell me, in 200 years of conservation and work done on that building... Nobody ever rebuilt the facade of the building. <laughs> Excuse me. They are the Masons. They probably had people. 
There was always there's always one guy. There's always one. I was like, oh Phil, hey, yeah, you go over there and look at the other wall. I got this. I got this. Actually, there's two million Masons in America, so I wouldn't be surprised. And a lot of them are on the East Coast. Thank you. I am the voice of plausibility. I just don't understand if you're gonna have this treasure and you intend to keep it hidden, why even have clues and a map, etc. Etc. Well, I think the point is that they because wanted to... the, because the Freemasons were douches, <laughs> <laughs> and we've now lost two or three of our Freemason listeners. <laughs> Come back. They were. I said were. Not anymore. Operative word. They're fine now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean at least how the movie portrays it. Right, they were hiding it from the people who wanted to steal it, who would do bad things with it. But they were trying to keep it within their inner circle. That was supposed to be morally in tune and totally in line with that idea. And so if anything were to happen where most of those people had forgotten about it, they wanted to give clues to those who were morally in their circle to find it and keep it safe. Okay. I mean, okay, that's what the movie's talking about. Right, Obviously, so, we're talking so about in a fictional treasure. I'm just saying, in your one words, of the guys who helped find it bought himself a car. He was not a mason. <laughs> so <laughs> in I think your the whole words, point's potentially plausible then? No, totally and completely ridiculous. However, I, I kind of get where the movie's going with that. They're trying to say that there's a specific group of people who are tasked with keeping it safe. Kind of like the Knights Templar were supposed to be originally, the Masons kind of took over that role in the movie. The Masons today, I very seriously doubt, have anything close to large sums of money hidden anywhere. If anything, they're more like the Knights Templar of old, and that they have... You know, a decent amount of money spread her out across a whole bunch of different banks. Okay. Yeah, just my opinion. All right. I do feel like the last the last 15 minutes of the movie are so ridiculous, though. Where it's like tomb after tomb after wooden elevator, oh. and then tomb, oh. and then tomb, and then oh. reveal with oil that is still in liquid form that can be lit by fire. Question, first of all. <sighs> Those wooden elevators, those would not have withstood 200 years, correct? No, termite damage would have completely uh, like eroded I was going to say. But look at this. They they start walking down the stairs, and what happens? Oh, crap! A stair breaks! Ah! And then the whole place like literally starts collapsing around them. Because it, that one stair. Because that one stair. Was the master stair. However. The wooden elevator's totally fine. The Care Bear stair. The, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. This went totally different. Sorry. <laughs> The, the wooden elevator held by the extremely old rope is yet strong, perfectly strong. For people to jump onto. Not just people. Six people end up riding it down to the bottom, minus the guy who falls to his death. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. They completely ignore when they actually get down to the bottom. It's like, it's even... Well, we they even don't even get down to the bottom. They do, don't they? Nuh-uh. Oh, is it one of the levels? It's like, on? yeah. Okay, whatever. And and also, by the way, this is in a tunnel, like an area where the subway, the subway goes through and shakes the entire area, too. Yeah. And yet only one train ever goes by, and it's midday. <laughs> right? Right. I don't think so. No. And I, not- I have another problem with it, too. This is based on the Trinity Church, and Trinity Church wasn't made until the 19th century. So unless they filmed the hole that the Nasons moved it, that doesn't make any sense. Or they built the church on top of it. Maybe there was sure. an earlier structure there, like a, like a Freemason's Lodge or something like that. Right. Because there's a symbol that the Trinity Church uses. That's... Because they were buried. There were Masons buried there, and they right. broke into one of the coffins in order to get, get to the access. Of oh, where have we seen that plot device before? Oh, yeah, the Da Vinci Code. That's right. Oh, yeah. Every <laughs> single action-adventure movie. Raiders of the Lost from Ark. From the 1980s on. Yeah. But they, it's so stupid because they get to the bottom and then they totally trick out the guy who they described in the beginning of the movie as being deviously intelligent. Oh, God, yes, that's right. If he was so damn smart and like almost an equal to Ben's character, how the hell does he not know that it was two lamps if they were coming by scene? And why does he need gates to get there if he's so smart on his own? Yeah. Uh, Maybe he just lacks drive. I am a butt face. <laughs> Well, he does have a butt chin. That's anyway. right. Yeah, he does. And there was some hair around there, too. <laughs> Let's leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> so then they get there. And, of course, it's one of those little special mechanical contraptions that was constructed so very long ago that we talked about in, in our episode in, on, on the mummy. Springs much? <laughs> <laughs> and he, he you know, twists it and turns it, and they open it up. And what do they find? Another tomb. No, they find scores and scores of scores what? of terrible-looking ancient Egyptian artifacts. That they hug. 
and therefore depreciate the <laughs> artifact themselves. That was my favorite part of the movie. Was where he's looking at it. It's like, it's full of it's large a, green men. It's a giant green man. With strange goatees. And then he hugs it. <laughs> Hugs this, and there goes the depreciation. Just and the worst part is when he hugs it, you could totally hear that it's hollow, <laughs> <laughs> and it's supposed to be made of green slate. It's like, come on, seriously, do but, your homework. But the worst part, the worst part, is when they take their torches that are amazing, by the way, and always stay perfectly lit, perfectly, and they drop them down into the oil, and they ignite this entire room full of treasure much of which would have certainly been made of wood with probably like gold <laughs> oh leafing god. on it, right? Oh my god. And yet there's all this open flame right next to oh really god. old, super dry wood, and yet nothing can bust into I have an explanation for that. It is a well-known fact that the Freemasons used to practice wizardry. <laughs> <laughs> used to being the key word. Used to. Well, and don't you think that, like, after... Isn't after a certain period of time, like, oil will kind of solidify a little bit? Folks, yeah. have you just... not heard of the fire retardant charm? I believe it was in Harry Potter book six. Asbestos! <laughs> 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 Sorry, that was a bad joke. But... That was actually really funny. But yeah, Sarah, like, I thought it would, one, either evaporate or solidify. I think it solidifies. It being 200 years old. Yeah, it would not have caught on fire, and neither should it have... Why would anyone do that? That is no moronic. Because it's, it's Nick Cage, that's why. <laughs> His skull was on fire. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and of course, there's there's just uh, so much wrong with that. And you know, to put the value that they put on it was just like ten billion dollars, right? Did they, they really? Yeah, it was. They said that specifically when they when they got out of the catacombs and they're sitting there, and he's sitting there with uh, what's his name, the detective. Who, from the FBI who's been chasing him around. Yeah. Sadesky. Sadesky. And uh, he's like, you know, you've come across an equivalent $10 billion worth of treasure. But they he's keep like, saying immeasurable throughout the entire movie. Yeah, and all of a sudden it has a value on it, and all of a sudden <laughs> Whoops. they're Apparently able to not. pay them off for it. And he's like, you should totally go back to Cairo, and over there she go back to England, and this should go and back to And all the there. major museums in the world. This belongs in a museum! <laughs> <laughs> And all of a sudden he got whipped and cut his chin and there was a lion. Oh, wait, no, sorry, that's a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so stupid. And he would have still been arrested. You don't just get a pardon for that, right? If you steal... If you steal... A the, the, national monument. Yeah, the Declaration of Independence. And not only that, but you got your greasy Nick Cage fingers all over it all the time without wearing any kind of protective gloves. And you're breathing on it and you're just... oh. Uh, just think about it. It's causing me anxiety. I don't like Even though I know it's totally fake. I'm going to say artistic license in this case and say that the uh, the words of freedom are immortal. I'm also un going to... Impenetrable. I think it's my turn to punch you now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also going to uh, uh, point out some conjecture there. Nicolas Cage, surprisingly, uh, this is not a well-known fact, but he is a vampire. So he is not breathing. Therefore, his fingers, since they also did not produce oil, he didn't get any of his greasy paws or his nasty breath on it. While that is true that he is a vampire, he, he played a character who was not he a vampire. He was portraying a human, and in the human portrayal, because he obviously was not handling the real Declaration of Independence. <laughs> I will oh, give gosh. them credit, though, that the, the replica that they made was actually pretty decent looking and it looks like the real Declaration of Independence as opposed to many of the replicas that go out that look like one of the many official copies of the Declaration of Independence that were handwritten, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 years later. So I will give them that. They actually did their homework and did a pretty decent job of recreating it. The locations that they were filming at were actually very nicely done. They obviously got permission to go into the real buildings uh, and I appreciate that level of detail and I appreciate the fun that I had with the movie, but history uh, aside, yeah. Well, that's the thing is, I can't really put it. It was a no, popcorn flick, but even watching it, it was just like this really? is so inaccurate. <laughs> really, <laughs> really. Look at yeah. it this way: it is a family film, and it probably, I hope, inspired some kids out there to take a look at their history and get really excited about a blown up and, and very different. Uh, idea of what history and and discovering new things is all about but whatever it's something you know i mean that's a good point 
I, I just I also dread the fact that for every one kid who was genuinely interested and found out the truth, there were about two hundred others who the thing they really got out of it was Mom, can I see your hundred dollar bill so I can check out with this with this water bottle uh, what time it says? And they never saw their hundred dollar bills ever again. <laughs> All right, folks. I think at this point we have to talk about it. The, the second two? movie? Yeah. I yeah. think so. I think this is important. <sighs> I will I will say that on IMDB, the first movie has very close to four stars. I don't think I would give it quite that mm-hmm. high of a rating. On an entertainment level, I would do like three and a half, to be honest, because it kept me entertained the entire way. History be damned, you know? All right. The two stars that the second one received, I think, was generous. I, oh God. So I watched it again. I watched it this morning, actually, in preparation. I was putting it off because I, I didn't want to watch it because it's bad. And I, I, I know I've watched it before, but when I was watching it again, I swear to God, it was like the first time I'd seen it because I think I blocked so much out of it, out of my mind mm-hmm. <laughs> after the first time I saw it. It was like a brand new movie to me. Would you folks like to know the original's tomato meter rating? Sure. Go ahead. You got a 44%, the original, and the 78% off on Flickster. So the users liked it, critics did not. Now the second one, negative four, got a 35 Mm. on the tomato meter, but a 72 on Flickster. Really? Yeah. I think this is just one of those ones where it's like, you know they're not good movies, but they're freaking entertaining. There's a word for it, craptacular. Craptastic. You know what? I was I like not spectacular personally. Okay. I was it not... implies there's a spectacle of some kind. I oh. was not sorry. Entertained <laughs> so, with the so, second movie at all. So if Russell Crowe were to break down your door I was not entertained <laughs> in full gladiator gear. Are you not entertained? I would have said yes. Russell, this is I terrible. <laughs> I am not entertained. You should be ashamed. You go back and you cut yourself. Wow. Good but, lord. But, hey. With a paper. You give yourself a paper cut. <laughs> a really deep one. Between that, the that fingers. <laughs> right in that little... And then you do not get a Band-Aid. You let that sit. <laughs> you can't. If you get it in between the fingers there, there's no Band-Aid that's going to work for you. You're just going to be miserable and uncomfortable. So as he should you'll, be. you'll be piecing out everyone. Hey, guys. Hey, don't mind me. Paper cut between the fingers. <laughs> it's wicked bad. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it was just... Oh, such a bad movie. I I got I, I have to disagree with you. It is not terrible. It's not a good movie. No, it's not good. Not at all. But I still find the second one after I rewatched it again very entertaining. Again, when I say very, I mean it kept me interested to the point where I watched the movie the whole way through, didn't stop it like halfway. Well, at least in this movie the first 15 minutes were actually the best part of the movie. Yeah, the little flashback to the to the past. That was cool. Watching the assassination of Lincoln. Yeah. Via obviously John Wilkes Booth was actually kind of interesting. Even Can, though that's pretty much the only backstory that we actually have, because much, then it, yeah. o- it almost immediately goes right into action. Right. The movie had me until Ed Harris came on. Oh. Oh. Ed, when, he, when, he, when he makes that big entrance into the presentation Gates is making, I was like. Seriously, I'm done. And I like Ed Harris. I do too. It's just that was ridiculous. Why did they feel the need to take the camera that was being used to film the actual lecture and then point it at Ed Harris? Did you notice that he's sitting in the audience and then all of a sudden he's on the jumbotron that they have behind them? Oh my god, yeah. Why would they need to do that? Uh, Have you ever filmed a lecture? Because I have. You don't. You just have a stationary camera usually. Yeah. yeah you don't. You're not going to be swiveling around in no. the audience. No. It's stupid. All right. So I have one major plot hole for uh, Book of Secrets. You ready for oh, this? Only one. Only one major one that completely changes the entire well, plot movie. Plot hole. We're not talking about historical inaccuracy, yes. but a plot hole. Plot hole. Oh, I know. You ready for this? I actually had one of my friends who watched this with me ask this question, and so I wanted to bring it up. This credit goes to you, Nick. Why didn't Ed Harris's character just? ask for their help why did he have to make a ruse out of it yeah Yeah. this is true if he just asked for their help he still would have gotten the credit and spoiler alert he would have lived he would have lived well i think the idea was that he also wanted to make sure that the gates family had had a had that problem that you know they were conspirators against lincoln but the only reason he did that was to give himself the best shot of getting recognized why couldn't he have just shared it with 
both mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. That's that's the whole point. That uh, my friend Nick uh, mentioned this to me while we were watching the movie, and I'm like, oh my god, dude, you're totally right. He could have just asked for their help. They could have brought this fact uh, to light that Thomas Gates' uh, great-great-grandfather was involved with this, but they could have gone on the journey together, holding hands, skipping, while underneath dozens of rainbows, and just going, la-di-da, look, history, let's find treasure here, yay! I would have totally watched that. (laughs) (laughs) It would have given the Teletubbies a run for their money. I guess, though, the real thing comes down to that Ed Harris is a butt face in this movie. A total raggedy butt face. <laughs> uh, and it felt so forced. The, the movie felt so contrived. Even yeah. Dame Helen Mirren, who I love as an actress, and I love all those actors, actually. She was forcing that American accent to the point where the British was breaking out. Not only that, bit. but just everybody was just like, yeah, you phoned in. You totally phoned in Oh, for yeah, this. no, she didn't try. She didn't try, but, you know, because the movie is, frankly, underneath her, as far as I'm yeah. concerned. She went from being Queen Elizabeth to... Nick Cage's mother. Exactly. <laughs> Depressing. Who's a horrible, horrible person, by the way. He, his father hadn't seen her for 32 years. That's how much they disliked one another. Yeah. How old is Nick Cage? Like 42 when this movie yeah. was being filmed? Ooh. So that Ooh. that's a long time. So he's willing to put aside three decades of like heartache and... For treasure. For treasure. And then they fall in love over a terribly ridiculous looking golden city no no no. they don't even fall in love over that they have to swing on a raggedy rope (laughs) over a chasm just and they fall onto each other as they're you know swing from the rope and they're like oh 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 don't you know that that happens in real life How many raggedy ropes have you swung on, that is, that is how serious relationships are formed. Really? Duress does bring people together, or back together in this case, in very odd circumstances. That quick? Yeah. After 32 years and of hatred, your bitter spite. Relationships work. They often say that hatred and love are not that far removed. Yeah. Emotionally, I can, I can see that. But mm-hmm. mentally, no. Humans are so stubborn. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about some of the historical aspects of this movie. Okay. Um, or lack thereof. Right. Okay, can I... Just a couple. Where they kind of talk about uh, La Boulay and the uh, Statues of Liberty, that there are three. Um, there's the one in New York, there's the one in Luxembourg, and then there's the one in Paris. And the fourth one in Vegas. And the fourth one in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> um, but La Boulay, who was not the you know, official designer, but he was the more of the um, creative credit on the Statue of Liberty. He never referred to the one in Paris as his lady. Um, The original one was the one in Luxembourg. So the one that is in Paris, the one that they went to, is not... The the one in Luxembourg, though, is a scale model, though. It's not the full size. But that's the the original. Yeah, that was was used as the model for... The Statue of Liberty. Right. Yeah. Well, the Statue of Liberty That's is essentially the same statue. It's, it's all the same Much statue. larger. Way yeah. larger, yeah. Yeah. So and it was never intended to be copper. I mean, it was copper, but it was always intended to be green. That was his, that was his vision. Mm. That's why he chose it. Seriously? It was gonna, it was, he knew it was going to oxidize in shipping. He wanted it to be green. Wait, 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 wait. I, I yeah. remember that the New York Statue of Liberty did not oxidize during shipping, but it was like very shortly after it was fully built. Yeah. That mm-hmm. it, it was still his intention. I did, sorry, he maybe not didn't know it was going to oxidize okay. during shipping, but he, it was his intention for it to be green. Interesting. Well, that is true. However, the Brasso Company did come into existence in that short two-year period when they were attempting to clean the Statue of Liberty every couple of weeks. That is a lie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lies. However, <laughs> Kevin was like, this is fascinating. Oh, wow. I had no idea. No way. Um, gotcha. What's over uh, my eyes? Oh, it feels like wool. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. <laughs> well, and then from that Statue of Liberty in Paris, he got the clue about the desks. Like the, on the back left of her head or something? Yeah, yeah. 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 No, it was on the torch. Was it on the torch? Oh, yeah, it was on the flame from, of the torch. From whatever inscription there, they had yeah. a thing about the, the Resolute Twins or whatever. Yeah. And they were talking about the Resolute de- uh, desks that were made from the HMS Resolute, which all of that is true. There were desks mm-hmm. made from that ship that was, you know, stranded in ice. 
and much like the Charlotte. <laughs> much like the Charlotte. Interesting. <laughs> Must be in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> and then from that recovered wood, they made two desks from that. Um, one that went to um, the President of the United States, mm-hmm. and then the one that went to Queen Victoria. Interestingly enough, there was also actually a third desk that was made. That and went to the Gates family. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a third. The third. Okay, so actually, um, the Resolute desk that belonged to the Queen has actually been sitting in a naval museum since the 1970s or the 1980s. So it wouldn't have been in Buckingham Palace anyway when they went to go get it um, or to get that piece of whatever the Olmec. Mm-hmm. plank of wood mm-hmm. um and then the third desk because they weren't twins apparently they were triplets the wait, third wait. desk was in a whaling museum wait 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 why couldn't the queen have just gone oh you know what i actually really want to pick up my great grandmother's desk <laughs> just go to look at documents on it just for a short Touché. time just bring it, in, bring it to my office please yes, yes, Still, yes, point yes, being, yes, yes right away not resolute twins resolute triplets <laughs> <laughs> fair enough and not almec but um aztec they said Olmec in the movie. Olmec was only mentioned when they were standing on the little pyramid when they were in there. Yes. No, because yes. They, they when they took the plank to her and they said, hey, can you translate this, Helen Mirren? She said, oh, yeah, it's Olmec. Yeah, you're right. Well, then that was the stupidest thing in the entire movie because what was actually on there was Aztec hieroglyphs. Okay. Well, or they, Mayan because they were clearly not Olmec because the Olmec written language doesn't really um, exist. Well, it exists, but not in an understandable form. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Brickmont. I'm not just, just an Egyptian expert, but also a Mesoamerican <laughs> expert. I'm just saying, I, I've I've seen these glyphs in person. I, I know what they look like. I can tell you right now okay. those are not Elmec. I'm just saying, in the movie, that's what they said they were. I know, and that's why I hate this movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> that is the one reason why you hate this movie so much? Uh, uh, did I ever say one? I don't think I did. <laughs> you just one. said that is the reason why I hate this movie so much. That is one of many reasons. Thank you for elaborating. Why I despise this movie. <laughs> Please continue. Oh no, that was pretty much the, my my biggest. Good thing. because the I fact have a that problem. they turn them into puzzle boxes is just oh. stupid. Oh yeah, did that guy even exist? I haven't. I've been trying to Google him. I could not find it. The the guy that they credited for um, uh, Malcolm something or other that made the the puzzle box in the desks. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, was yeah. not... I tried to Google them. I could not find anything that was not actually directly related to that movie hmm. saying that he existed. I, I don't even... I, at this point, I don't even care. <laughs> so, be honest, I, I have not seen the movie since I originally saw it on Christmas Day 2007. Good for you, sir. <laughs> Rightfully so. Stay strong. I was like, you know what? I'll wing this episode. I, don't, I think I've seen all I need to see. I do remember distinctly one moment when they're in the Library of Congress... And don't they find a secret room in the Library of Congress? Not a secret room, the presidential room. The presidential suite. Where, where <laughs> does this room actually exist? I have no idea. I don't know. What? Hold the phone. I'll tell you so the Eric doesn't know. What? I'll tell you. break sound. Yeah. So, folks, this is coming from the Library of Congress website, loc.gov. There is a presidential suite, but it's a score. <laughs> it's not an actual like room at all. Score. <laughs> uh, copyright 1989 by Richard Anguist and ja- uh, Jack Gottlieb. So, in a way, it exists, but not in the sense that we saw in the movie. <laughs> no. Uh, but the Booth Diary definitely has missing pages. And some of them were torn out by John Wilkes Booth himself. Some of them were probably torn out quite a few years later or a couple of years later after the the you know diary been confiscated because they pulled it off his cold dead body after they shot him up and you know it's conspiracy no it's people rip pages out of diaries all the time and you know but this has to do with history therefore conspiracy yes exactly (laughs) touche i forgot about that rule i'm sorry come on (laughs) you the history buff History 101. <laughs> um, anyway, I just remembered my plot hole. All right, so this ha- unfortunately doesn't have to do with history. It has to do with logic. Are you guys ready for this? Oh, vulcanize me. All right. So as I am as I'm making the Vulcan greeting, if the president was going to have a birthday party at a location that he or she wanted and the reservations, quote unquote, filled up, oh, don't yeah. you think the president would pull, I'm the president of the free world. They can wait. I will have my party. So when the Gates family tries to, you know, 
book up all the uh, uh, the reservations at every hotel that happens to be related to the president in terms of interest, and they just happen to let that other one slide that he really likes. I'm pretty sure the president will just pull the card. I'm the president. This is where it's happening. And, and the I, hotel would have to, like, oblige to it. And I'm pretty sure that they had to put a deposit down on each and every one of those oh, reservations. Yeah, right. But they've got the money, apparently. Apparently. In the first movie. But if they were being tracked by cash. these people, oh, uh, yeah, I guess. But cash over the phone? Cash over the phone. Because they were making all these reservations over the phone. They would have had yeah. to use a credit card. Yeah. They you definitely see a man in front of you with a suitcase. <laughs> To open the suitcase. Hold on, you're still on the phone? Alright, that's great. Uh, there's going to be a man coming in with a silver briefcase. He's going to have all the money. Uh, that'll cover the deposit, Ladies I Ladies and gentlemen, Nicholas Cage playing Richard Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a crook. <laughs> I'm not a crook. <laughs> so anyway, that was another uh, plot hole and a terrible Nicholas Cage impersonation. Thank you very much. Uh, it was perplexing where he can just come up to the president and be like hey mr president i'm your biggest fan i'm your biggest fan here's this really awesome blueprint that just conveniently happens to be the place that we're at right now and look i'm going to point out this place that's not supposed to be here you want to come along let's go on a journey together maybe we'll find some treasure psych i'm kidnapping you because thomas gates apparently is the master of secrets and conspiracy theories now because he found national treasure he did isn't it ben gates is it ben gates is it thomas Thomas gates Gates is the thank you thank you ben gates Gates. i've been making that point as well my benjamin franklin gates b f gates what up b franks gates (laughs) (laughs) yeah but he gets him there he takes him down in this little secret passageway and then he has to have a serious talk with him and oh, Mr. President, they divulge the president's secret book, the Book of Secrets. I hope that book actually exists. How that could is it not? Awesome. How could it not? You know that Bill Clinton's suggestions are all <laughs> how not to get caught and where. Yeah. <laughs> right. Actually, I make fe- sure not to do this in the Oval Office. Number one. <laughs> I really like. Really hope it's not anything like conspiracy theories or, or you know like the truths behind area 51 etc but it's more like like a seventh grade girls like notebook like lots of like doodling all over it where you like you pass it between your friends or like ronald reagan i was really proud of all the movies i did oh, let me see. franklin d roosevelt harry s truman is an apple <laughs> next you see but you see apple scratched out Harry S. Truman. Frankie D. Roosevelt was a duty <laughs> George W. Bush's page is just full of butterflies and such. <laughs> and it's like a dozen pages of that. I'm going to draw me some kitten. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to draw me some puppies. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to draw me some pretzels now. No, no, no. George. I George... go for a pretzel right now. No, no. It just says... George W. Reagan over and over again. George W. Reagan. Reagan. Mr. George W. Reagan. (laughs) Mrs. George George W. Reagan. Reagan. (laughs) (laughs) Or or to quote a very famous comedian, (laughs) cabinet meeting. There's no cabinets in here. I'm sorry, I had so much fun with that idea. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Obama's only contribution is a single word. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. The Book uh, of Secrets. Book of Secrets. So stupid. But in You're terms t- of logic, presidents sharing you know, things that they learned, experiences, at, like legitimate experiences, I totally see that happening. But in terms of conspiracy theories, I want it to happen. Why would they take a book... And then put it right where anyone could find it. I get that it's supposed to be hidden in plain sight. It was in a combination lock. Yeah, I know, right? Using the Dewey (laughs) Decimal System, (laughs) which nobody understands. That let's be honest, that's like the best security you can get. Yeah, (laughs) things will be lost forever. I think honestly, library librarians are just guessing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was just it was you know. If you go by the Dewey Decimal System in any of uh, libraries that you visit, it's like walking into the warehouse at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's just so much content there, but there's no way you're gonna find it. I'm sorry, I just, I, I'm still having such a problem with this. It's just... In the Library of Congress, uh, it, to quote Christopher, President Christopher Pike, <laughs> where do you hide a book? In a library. President Admiral Christopher President Pike. President Admiral, <laughs> first class, <laughs> Christopher Pike. Esquire. 
Yeah, it was just it was just so yeah. stupid. Well, and why would you have the president's book of secrets when that president is going to be in charge for four to eight years? I can understand those types of things for maybe like more like situations where the term is going to be particularly elongated, etc. Like I just feel like that that point, you know, at the end term, they're not going to be a president anymore. And now they have all this information. Not only that, but why would they stow this book in the Library of Congress when you should have it in the immediate within your immediate disposal? Like, right? Yeah. Oh, and actually, clearly, since they were able to figure out that the desk in itself was a puzzle box, you know, why didn't they put it in there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Since they had already discovered that that was a nice, happy secret place. Oh, and by the way, both Resolute desks happen to have a perfect cut out of both of those flanks of wood by the way planks excuse me yeah perfect cut i don't out. think it was a cutout but that it was a cutout like they, they could fit in like a puzzle piece though that's the thing that bothered me the most okay that's what bothered you the most that's what bothered me the most i'm gonna put that on record <sighs> i'm sorry i'm still trying to get over how stupid it is because i check my brain at the door every time i watch this movie but you know they have these things and they're called scanners and then they take things that were previously written on paper, when that was the standard, and they digitize them. And then you can put them into laptops that are far more secure, that the president can have access to when the president needs it. It doesn't need to be locked away, quote-unquote, air quotes going on right now. Well, the person that scans all of that has to get assassinated afterwards, because that person could not have known what they were scanning. Just disappear them. Bye-bye. <laughs> Send them off to Guantanamo. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, because <laughs> we all know that that's where people who are involved get in conspiracy disappe- theories yeah. go. You mess with America's government, you're going to get mo. <laughs> I mean, it, it just... Can we move on? All that? right, fine. So After the Book stupid. of Secrets. All right, so let's talk about the Washington... No, it's not the Washington Monument. Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore, thank you. Now, I remember reading a conspiracy theory that... It, maybe it was a conspiracy theory. Maybe we even talked about it on a previous episode of Nerds on History, but... The actual mountain where these uh, presidential heads sit was actually a very, very sacred ground for the Native American tribe that actually lived there. Yeah, that's not a conspiracy theory at all. That's a very real thing. And many of the, the local tribes have been very upset ever since its creation. And there have been calls to you know, have it returned to a more natural form. In other words, blow it up. I, I mean, my question is, why is that monument all the way in South Dakota when they could just like carve that out in you know the Appalachian Mountains in Pennsylvania or you know near Phil- not necessarily near Philadelphia but why did it have to be in South America or South America why did it have to be in South might America might as well have been yeah. <laughs> uh, have you ever been to the Appalachian Mountains I have I have hiked the Appalachian Mountains have you ever met some of the folks who live in the Appalachian Mountains I was asked never to repeat uh, the conversations I had with those people <laughs> <laughs> You know him and him. Build him on a big old mountain. You know, put on a big old fence on this mountain. No, we're gonna put on a big fence on that. No. Not to offend anybody who might live in the Appalachian Mountains. Not at all. We are creating caricatures. <laughs> yes. Well, so for the record, because I actually didn't know this, the Appalachian Mountains go all the way through the eastern United States. There's part of them that are in Pennsylvania, but they go all the way to uh, the south as far down as Georgia. Yeah. Um, and go as far north as um, Vermont, it looks like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Winter's Bone takes place in the Appalachian Mountains. That's right. Yeah, yeah. but I just did, I, I thought know. it was more of a southern thing. I didn't know they went no, that far north. It stretches all. really far, yeah. There you go. So you have all of this ample land closer to where the areas of the founding of our country are basically held. Like close to Philadelphia, close to wa- where currently Washington, D.C. is, you know, our nation's capital. So why not build that monument of four important presidential figures closer to the areas where our country was basically created, rather than putting it in what is considered a non-touristy like location, except for that one place? Because South Dakota is lovely. It is lovely. Actually, I have a friend who lives in South Dakota. I have family from South Dakota. Question already answered. All right. Because All right. People, I have no idea. Because people need a reason to go to South Dakota other than to visit friends and family. Touche. Uh, didn't, didn't the sculptor who made crazy uh, made um, made the crazies? No, no, no. Made Mount Rushmore try to make up to the Native Americans by making crazy horse, or at least starting crazy horse. They've only gotten as far as carving out the outer shape and then the face of it. But crazy horse is not too far away from that, isn't it? I, I'm not familiar, so I don't know. I'm not sure. 
Also, by the way, uh, getting to this point in the story for, <laughs> quote-unquote, story for Book of Secrets, um, how is it that the Native American tribes also had access to invisible ink that is impervious to everything except water? Oh, Remember how the they eagle? Have to, yeah, where they have to splash yeah. water and the eagle just appears out of nowhere? You know, I... <laughs> Okay, seriously, like that was how has nobody discovered that before? Yeah, it, it, it there is this thing called just, rain. Well, no, they so they said that you needed to have a cl- it had to be cloudless. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Right, but here's the thing: who's to say that nobody's ever like spilled water there or drunkenly peed there? <laughs> <laughs> Eric is looking at my bottle of water because I think the answer lies in. Oh, there. Is he going to look through the bottle of water? Is there a clue? I just I found the clue. It's on the Aquafina label. There's actually the mountain, and you can make out, if you look at it upside down, the image of the eagle. And so clearly it was right in front of them the entire well, time. Clearly. Actually, I'm pretty sure the, those were Aquafina bottles that they... Actually, I, I think you're right, too. Yeah. 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 And they had all approximately, let's say, one liter bottles. Uh-huh. There was like four or five of them. Mm-hmm. And they were standing over this large outcropping oh, of rock. Huge. Yeah. And yet they... And even, they still um, find it. Even, you know, like, Ben's mom's character is kind of like... Like, how are we going to find it after all this? Are we going to cover it all with water? Well, and that's the thing, though, too, because who's to say that the spot they were standing in where they were pouring all that water, was that's where it was going to be. Yeah. They had all that territory to cover all around Mount Rushmore. Right. Um, Can I just pause for a second to show you guys something awesome I just found online? Uh This was the originally intended... design for Mount Rushmore before they ran out of and money. And where are you finding this picture? This is actually just, I think I pulled it up on Wikipedia. Oh, but so it was going like, to actually extend and have their suits? Yeah, it was going to be upper like torsos. full upper torso and look incredibly awesome. Wow, wow, actually, yeah, I totally prefer that. And I don't believe that they should desecrate the mountain. However, no. I do believe they should build a fiberglass facade yeah. of this and it would be much cheaper. Or they can just replicate it somewhere else and... That's up. not on sacred ground. Yeah, yeah, build it on a non-sacred mountain somewhere else. And we'll call it Mount <laughs> Rushmore 2. <laughs> the Book of Secrets. <laughs> I was about to say that, too. <laughs> you know, if they had continued building it, they probably would have found the ancient city of gold. <laughs> See below. Yeah, See can below. we talk yeah. about that? Yes, all right, so... Because I'm having a real serious issue with this right now. How can you build a city of gold underneath a mountain? You Again. don't. Wizardry. <laughs> yes, yes. This is also, quote-unquote, uh, done by the Native Americans that lived in that area of that time. And so, did they really have that advanced design in their culture to build a pyramid-like structure? No. No. What you're no. looking at is elements of Mesoamerican architecture as found with the Almex Mayans and Aztecs. So, basically... Predominantly Aztec from the design of what they were showing. Yeah. Yeah, it totally does look Mesoamerican. It's very Aztec, very characteristic of the Mayans. There's this little bit of Olmec that they threw in there, and particularly these glyphs that are actually disputed as to whether or not they're actual glyphs, if not fakes, that were found uh, back in uh, the early 90s, which this movie obviously took and just kind of threw on the little pedestal at the top of their little gold pyramid. Right. And what the hell are we dealing with? Are we dealing with a solid gold city? Because that's stupid. <laughs> right? And by the way, uh, Nicolas Cage also makes a very Aztec cultural reference where uh, when they reach the top of that pyramid, oh yeah, this is where they cut the heads out, sacrifice to the gods. That yeah. would be the Mayans who did yeah. that, yeah. not the Aztecs. Yeah. No, the Aztecs did a lot the of Aztecs that. The Aztecs did too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never Lots mind. of that. Yeah, so, so, I mean, it's true that they had sacrificial altars. That doesn't look anything like a sacrificial altar. Did the Native Americans have a sacrificial al- no. altar made out of gold? Not, no. <laughs> no. Not That's North highly impractical. <laughs> no. The North American Indians did not use the kind of gold that we're looking at in Mesoamerica. They just didn't have access to it. That was the whole point. They went out here trying to find gold. And they didn't find any, because guess what? There ain't a whole lot of it. And there are so many people who went looking for this, these seven cities of gold, as mm-hmm. they were fabled. You know, there have been many different conquistadors and explorers who have gone and tried to find this. And many have El been... Dorado? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they've all been led on these wild goose chases by the local populace who didn't want them around. And so they told them, yeah, if you go really far, like where there's a bunch of plains and you got to walk through a desert and a whole bunch of places where you're probably going to be killed in, by rattlesnakes, 
yeah, you go over there and you're going to find some gold. And bye-bye. Hopefully you won't come back, dumbass. <laughs> I don't know how to say that in the Native American tongue, but I'm pretty sure that there's somebody out there who could translate it for us. It was genius, actually, and it's the same point that we were making earlier when we With were talking National about... National Treasure 1. Yeah. yeah, they were telling people to go off looking for something that's not there. <laughs> Bye-bye now! <laughs> Good luck! <laughs> Sucker! <laughs> <laughs> and here's some of our traditional gowns to wear. Go walk into our enemy territory. <laughs> They'll greet you. With open weapons. <laughs> uh, it's pretty genius, actually. I, I think it's fantastic. And these whole seven cities of gold have been around for so long. I mean, the very first time that Cibola is even mentioned is about, for my research, uh, 1539. And when the, the Spaniards made it into New Spain, which is now uh, which is now Mexico. Yeah. And they had heard all of these different rumors, and they went off on different adventures. By the um, way, quick side note, now that you're mentioning that, is that why... The country of Mexico speaks Spanish? Yes. Okay. They were conquered by the conquistadors. That's yeah. See, I had always thought that, but I never had an answer to it. So thank you for that. Sure. The native tongue, um, oh gosh, I always butcher it when I try to say it, but Nual, uh, I'm sure I'm butchering it, but the um, it's not really spoken any longer. I mean, it does it's exist. It's almost wiped out. It exists, but it's not It's not the active language. Okay. There's yeah, some Spanish. small villages in Mexico where they speak a different language. It's not Spanish, but I think it's derived from yeah. okay. my the great, Aztec language, but it's not My great-great-grandmother-in-law, my wife's great-great-grandmother, yeah. was from one of those villages. Oh, okay. And even when she went and married a gentleman of partial European descent, she still went ahead and slept out on the porch because she didn't like sleeping in a bed or in the house. She felt kind of weird, so she had a blanket and she slept out on the porch. Uh, and just those kind of things where it was kind of a culture shock. She couldn't assimilate into that culture, even though the Spaniards had long since assimilated the native culture. There were still these little pockets that existed. Okay. Yeah. And she didn't have any gold. Sorry. <laughs> they <laughs> but, weren't holding on to it in these seven <laughs> tribes. It's these seven cities and holding on to gold. No. But the stupidest part about all of this is, right, there. there's all this water coming in. Where is it coming from? Where the hell is the water coming right, from? Right, right, they were flooding the The reservoir is what you're led to assume, but that's a small reservoir. And, and plus, is there a reservoir behind Mount Rushmore? I don't even know. I don't think there is. But the water that's I coming in, they close that. it off, right, and then they go down there and they see it. And no one, no one thinks for a second that this is probably a bad idea. Yeah. And that we should have a quick escape route and get out of there. And then when things do all go to hell and all the water starts rushing in, everyone's like, but what do we do? We can't leave it. If we leave it, we'll never be able to get back to it again. Unless somebody went in here like a diving team of experienced archaeologists and actually closed <laughs> it off and they allowed us to come back in. Oh, wait, they did that in the end of the movie. By yeah. the way, that was a plot hole or a... a, a a story plot device that is completely unbelievable. Um, one, they get out, not everyone alive. Whoops, sorry, Ed Harris. And they have the government just bring down all of this machinery to drain that room. And to me, it seemed like it was supposed to be done in a day, but that's impossible. Yeah, I mean, I think it was probably several months of work, but the fact that they were going to do it is kind of obvious. It's gold. It's already been covered water all this time, so what do they care? It's not like it's going to be destroyed. Ed Harris dies for nothing. Not unlike his career. Uh, Hey, Ed Harris, there there was a conspiracy theory that exists out there that Ed Harris once had an amazing career. (laughs) And he did. Screamers is one of my favorite cult classics of all time. I love that movie. Always love Ed Harris in it. But come on. If I had been given the script for National Treasure 2, I would have said, you know what, guys? I could do better. Goodbye. But you know what? Everybody in that movie could have done better. Here's the thing. But here's the problem. Jerry Brockheimer produced it. Yep. And we all know that Brockheimer is German for large box office numbers. Yeah, that's for sure. (laughs) It's true. And whether his movies are good is totally up for debate, like this podcast, but they always make a lot lot of money. money. Mm -hmm. Hey, this podcast is more gold than that freaking believe that Jerry Brockheimer produced our podcast, we would make, we'd have like easily 10 million subscribers. Yeah. Um, Yeah, The only problem is all of our information would be totally incorrect. (laughs) So I just want to uh, give you guys a heads up. So I'm using Apple Maps on my iPad, and I have Mount Rushmore pulled up on the Apple Maps. There is not a reservoir within what looks to be about a circumference of 
20 miles. Wow. There's not even there's not even a pond behind Mount Rushmore. It was all those bottles of water they're pouring on the rocks. <laughs> Over generations and generations of <laughs> bottles of water poured, trying to look for the eagle that is hidden. That would have been more funny if in the, instead of water, there's Aquafina bottles <laughs> pouring out and covering oh, And then Nick Cage plastic. holding the Aquafina bottle looking at the camera. Aquafina. <laughs> it's helping us find the treasure. <laughs> Considering this is okay. Native American grounds, how tragically ironic that there's a bunch of you'd find a bunch of aquafina <laughs> oh, bottles. Know, right? <laughs> and the single tear rolls down the Native American's cheek. <laughs> uh-huh. Man. Well, this has been fun. This has been uh, an adventure. I think it's been infuriating for you, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> My blood there, pressure is rising. There's certainly a... Oh, I can't even make a terrible pun out of this, but there is, there's a large amount of knowledge... And knowledge is sometimes worth its weight in gold. Oh. There it is. Oh. Uh, Get out. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, that, again, the movies are fun. I, I just... I have, Don't take them seriously. Don't take them seriously at all. They're not meant to really... At all. Teach you history, but maybe to inspire you to go out and actually learn what the real history was. Because not look the, for treasure. <laughs> no. The real history is almost always far more interesting. And uh, you can learn a lot about our founding fathers. You can learn a lot about societies that have been talked about, like the Freemasons, for example. And there is a, a wealth of information about the Mesoamerican and Native American cultures. Far more interesting than cities of gold. There are far, far, far more beautiful pieces of history that are far more valuable than any mineral material wealth and you can find them in museums around the world and there are far 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 better movies (laughs) (laughs) out there to be found on netflix (laughs) (laughs) or even in your basement in the collection of old vhs tapes that you don't use anymore laser discs or betamaxes or even 35 millimeter rolls of film reel to reel yeah that's right right. yeah Yeah. well folks this has been fun thank you for listening to our special episode combined with Nerds on History, Nerds on Film, on this special topic of national treasure. <laughs> a special topic, A indeed. cinematic classic. <laughs> 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 um, until next time, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Nerdonomy, or on personal accounts, I'm at Brian Moriarty. I'm at The Brickmont. I'm at Sarah Ash 16 And you can uh, email me, if you'd like, with Kevin at nerdonomy.com and of course please go to nerdonomy.com and check out our feedback button where you can give us some feedback about our episodes and give us our donation button over paypal please we are sitting in our nerd cave which is an ad hoc sauna at the moment (laughs) and we would love to be able to buy an air conditioner just put yourself in sarah's shoes she's sitting around a bunch of sweaty smelling men do you really want this wonderful human being to suffer like and this. we will take any amount one two five million dollars uh <laughs> to we'll, we'll take one percent of ten billion <laughs> if you've got it if you have access to a national treasure and would like to share please donate <laughs> seriously they smell really really bad hey yeah. i showered like a week ago okay <laughs> and uh you can listen to both our nerdonomy podcasts through nerdonomy.com and on itunes and stitcher radio uh, until then, we'll see you next time. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye. Huzzah! Peace. <laughs>